0: you're a student, you're dismissed. Hi, John Rimmers. Morning. How are you? Welcome back. I was worried they might keep you at the border, but uh, I'm glad they didn't. Uh, Welcome. I greet you in the name of my Savior. I'm happy beyond my ability to express that you're here with us today. Um... I want to talk to you about something that, uh, it's, it really is the, it's the desire, if I, if I weighed out all the desires of my heart, all the things that drive me and that, um, well drive and define me I guess, um, it would be what we're going to talk about today. And I don't. I think that what we're going to talk about is great pertinence uh, with uh, the world situation that we're living in. If you got a copy of the scriptures, you can turn, if you want to, to First Kings chapter nineteen. I want to read a, a little, a couple of verses from First Kings nineteen. This is dealing with the prophet Elijah, and just a few days earlier, this mighty prophet of God had stood before many hundreds of false prophets and sort of had a showdown with them and God revealed His power and uh, brought fire down from heaven and burned up a, a, a sacrifice that the true prophet of God had created and, and, and left alone the sacrifice that all these false prophets had, had created. And uh, the the people of God, the nation of Israel, really were given a visible manifestation and declaration that Jehovah God, the God of Abraham, was the true God. And that all the gods of the nations that surrounded Israel were not the true God. Uh, And so it was a big day, spiritually, for the prophet and for the people of God and I'm not going to get into all the details but over the next couple of days uh, Elijah went from this literally mountaintop experience uh, to at least one of the darkest most discouraging moments in his life to a point where he really questioned not God's reality but God's devotion to him. And his devotion to, to the people of God. And God orchestrates a series of events to get the prophet uh, off by himself. On the, uh, in a cave uh, on the side of a mountain. And that's where this prophet has an encounter with God. And so let me just read a few verses here. In First Kings chapter 19 it says, As Elijah stood at, the, at, the, at the, uh, the mouth or the door of the cave, if you will. Um, he stood there before the Lord, and a mighty wind hit the mountain, but the Lord was not in the mighty wind. And after the wind came a mighty earthquake, but the Lord was not in the mighty earthquake. And after the mighty earthquake came a mighty fire, but the Lord was not in the mighty fire. And after the mighty fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper, and the Lord spoke to Elijah. Um, I think it's very significant that God did not speak in... Let me just say, I'm not saying that what I'm talking about today is a principle. It's an overriding, continual, driving principle in the Scriptures. Are there exceptions to every principle? Yes. Okay, so don't get all, you know, but I remember it. Yes, me too. But we're talking about principles here, Okay. In this situation. I think it's very significant that God did not reveal his voice to Elijah in a mighty wind. He did not reveal he did not reveal his voice through a mighty earthquake. He did not reveal his voice through a mighty fire. The Bible says that he revealed his voice. He spoke to the prophet in a still, quiet, calm voice. We live in a world of very big, loud, angry, threatening, intense, demanding. Intimidating voices. And those loud, bombastic, angry, aggressive, intense voices are the voices in our world that get heard. They're the ones that get news time. They're the ones that get the attention of our world. They're the voices, these loud voices are the voices that get people's attention. They're the voices that are believed. They're the voices that have influence. They're the voices that sway. They're the voices that win out. And it is It is easy for me to get into a place where I think lesser voices, smaller voices, get lost, get ignored. In a sea of dogmatism, loudness, authoritativism. Overconfidence, voices that are bombastic, that bully, voices that never shut up long enough to listen because they don't. It's easy for me to get into a place. Where I feel like that volume and passion and confidence and dogmatism and popularity make things right and true and enduring. It's easy for me to get into a place where I I believe that might is right. But I just want to, I want to remind us today that might and volume don't make things right and it does not make things true and it does not guarantee that its message will endure. That brings us to the voice of Jesus. the gospels one of the one of the it's very clear if you read the gospels and i so hope you do if you read anything read the gospels and one of the desires or intents of the gospel writers is to help us balance, or, or let me say it this way, one of the clear intentions of the gospel writers is to reveal that the voice of Jesus is amazing. If anybody had an amazing voice, it was the Lord Jesus. And the writers of the, of the, New, of the, of the New Testament, but in particular the gospels, they wanted us to see that and wrestle with that, that the voice of the Lord Jesus was Amazing. That it could be so small. And yet, create such impact. How could any voice so small. Small being a small life. A small place that he lived. Yes, he did some miracles, but... In the vast scheme of of everything he was a small I don't I don't mean I don't know how tall he was I I don't mean that but probably he was a little Jewish man like if you know any little Jewish communities there's I, I live in the middle of one and and they I see him on Saturdays walking and for the most part they're small in stature Jesus was probably small in stature he was a small man and he had a small voice And yet he had huge, his voice had huge impact. A voice that could could be so appealing. And yet at the very same time, so offensive. A voice that was so attractive to so many. And yet so repelling and polarizing a voice that could literally create unity between people that for thousands of years hated each other's guts gentiles and jews men and women old and young religious and secular rich and poor educated and uneducated have given each other different religions people that would never Have given each other the time of day. They hear the voice of Jesus. And all that division is gone. Who who has that kind of a voice? Who can speak like that? And yet. The very same voice. Could create. Such division. That it separated. Mothers and daughters. Sons and dads. Husbands and wives. It would literally drive a wedge. In the middle of a community. That had been united for generations. A voice. That could bring such comfort. And yeah. Come unto me. Are you weary? Are you carrying a burden that. Nobody can carry. Come unto me. And I'll give you rest. I'll carry that for you. And yet. The very same voice. When he spoke. People rent their garments. And said what must I do to be saved. I can't stand the weight. The impact of your words upon my life. I can't take it. Have mercy on me. Whose voice can do that? Can speak the very same thing. The same words. And have such such one impact upon you. And such another impact upon you. A voice that would create. Such freedom. And yet at the same time such condemnation. Woe unto you. Woe unto you. If I had done the miracles in Sodom and in somewhere else, I forgot wherever the other place was right this second, as I've done in your presence, they would have repented. So, uh, Sidon, maybe, or somewhere. I don't care where it was. Um, wherever it was, if, if I'd have done those miracles in, in, your, in, your, in their presence like I've done in yours, they would have repented and experienced eternal life. But you will not... Repent, you will not believe, and you will stand condemned to the judgment. The same voice that gave comfort to people. That same voice spoke condemnation. Who who has a voice like that? This voice that I'm referring to, it's still as of january the what is today the 19th january 19th 2020 it is still the most printed voice the most read voice the most studied voice and the most quoted voice every year for 2000 years and for all time Not even a close second. Hey, who's second or third? We don't even know. We can't see that far back. What a voice. Matthew chapter 12 says, Behold my chosen servant, my beloved one, this is the Father speaking, who pleases me. I'll put my spirit on him and he'll declare justice to the nations. He won't fight, he won't shout, he won't raise his voice in public. How do you know if people are of God or not? How do you know if you ought to listen to people when they're talking about God or not? He won't fight, he won't shout or yell, he won't raise his voice in public. His words will not crush the weakest reed or extinguish the most fragile, flickering candle. He will cause justice to be victorious, and in His name the nations will put their hope. What a voice! That's how the Father. That's how God, the Father, described the voice of Jesus. You hear barking, and yelling, and name calling, and criticizing, and chink finding chinks in your armor. Kind of finding. Do, do you do you hear that in God, in the Father's description of His Son? If you got a, if you got the scriptures, turn with me now to uh, where we're going to camp out. Uh, Matthew chapter thirteen. We're going to read two little little parables. You know these parables; they're very well known. I've never taught on these in forty two years. I've never taught on these two parables. Which shame on me, but but just truth. Um, in Matthew chapter thirteen, uh, verses. Uh, 31 through 33, um, the Lord Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It's very small, but it grows into one of the largest of garden plants. It grows to become like a tree that birds nest in. Jesus compares the king, His kingdom to one of the small... In Jewish culture in the Middle East in this day, one of the smallest of seeds that all those people that heard Jesus, they would have planted a mustard seed uh, in their garden, in their backyard. That's what they would have done. And that seed would have grown into one of the largest plants if not the largest plant in their garden and it would ultimately have been so big that from a distance it looks like a tree so big that the birds of the air could not only land in its branches but could build a nest there then he goes on the kingdom of heaven is also like yeast used to make bread. And though only a little yeast is needed and is mixed into the flour, it permeates and impacts every part of the dough. In some of your translations, it'll add three measures of, of flour. Jesus' point is that you could take, in the wording that he uses is the idea of a pinch. A lady that was making bread in that day would take just a pinch of yeast and she would put it in a big tub of flour and he would make enough bread for a hundred people to eat. We're not talking about a couple of loaves. We're talking about enough bread that it would feed a hundred people. Adults. Do you see what Jesus is saying here? Jesus, number one, don't miss this. He's comparing His kingdom, the message of His kingdom, the message of His voice. He's comparing it to a tree that the birds of the air can land in and to bread, that which people would eat. Now, I know y'all all want to be gluten free and don't want to eat this and that. I love bread. I eat bread every meal. I'm never going to stop eating bread. I, love, in fact, I'd rather have bread than meat. You give me some warm dinner rolls and butter. I'll take it over steak any day. Now I like a steak, but I don't don't be taking my bread away from me. My wife, she's fleet. You know, literally, you put some wonder light bread in front of her. And she would run away like it was a snake. Um, you know, but but I I love it. Jesus is comparing the message of his kingdom. To a tree and to bread. He's also comparing, I hope you see, the first parable is a tree. It grows big visibly. There's outward the message of Jesus, the message of his kingdom. It, 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 there, it, it has impact, it has change, it has growth visibly. You can see it. The message of Jesus, the message of His kingdom, it also has internal growth. Like you don't see the yeast doing anything. You don't see. uh, It doesn't. I've never done this, but I'm assuming that that you can't like see it fizzing or bubbling or anything like that. It's on the inside. But once it gets into the flour, it begins to impact and change and transform. What's Jesus' point? His message, his voice, it's so small. And yet, the return is so big. That which seems so fragile and limited and insignificant ultimately has immeasurable impact it gives sustenance it survives it overcomes and it transforms like nothing else that's what jesus is saying here my voice this small fragile insignificant easy to overlook easy to ignore voice you let it get inside you you let it get in your heart and your soul all kind of amazing things will happen and they're not things that last for an hour or a day or a week or a month but it changes your life forever Some of you don't know me very well. But most of you do. Some of you hadn't seen for decades and decades. And then I see you again. Which is so amazing. But that's. That's the testimony of my life. I grew up in a. um, I'll call it a church. You know very loosely it was a wonderful organization filled with wonderful people that were committed to the principle that you ought to be nice everybody ought to be nice in any situation that you face or encounter any decision you make any any be nice be good Do the right thing. Take the high road. Be nice. But I don't ever remember. For 17 years. I was there every day. I mean two or three times a week. For 17 years. I never remember one time. Not once. I'm not saying they didn't do it. I'm saying I don't remember. One time. Anybody taking the word of God. And teaching me the words of Jesus. And I'm not trying to be mean or harsh or frozen. I'm just telling you that the testimony of my life. Was that when I was 17 years old. I wanted so bad to go on a date with Sherry that I couldn't see straight. And it could have been let's go to a bar. Let's go to a a cocaine meth lab, or it could have been a, a hoot nanny or a rock concert. Miraculously, she said, Well, go to church with me. I would have gone wherever she, literally, I'm telling you the truth, I'd have gone anywhere she wanted to go. And danged if she didn't say, Go to church with me. And I sat down beside her and I thought, Oh my gosh, I've hit the mother load. I'm sitting beside her. I was so happy. And this man stood up, and he opened the Bible, and he began to teach me about the voice of Jesus, the words of Jesus, the message of Jesus, the life, the life message of Jesus. And I'm telling you, all, it got into my it, it got into my heart. Just like that seed getting in the ground. Just like that yeast getting into that flower. It got into my heart. And it began to change me. Now, those of you that know me know. You might say, well Larry, you got a lot more changing to do. And nobody knows that better than me. Except maybe Sherry. Maybe she knows it better than me. But I know that. But I'm telling you. That that, that that yeast and that seed that came from Jesus' voice, it impacted me in internal ways. It impacted me in visible ways. I began to do things that I would never have done. I began to stop doing things that I would have never stopped. I began... I don't, that's not the point of the message today, but I'm just telling you, it began to change me. The, the very story of Jesus illustrates how that which began so small became so huge. I mean, that's such a stupid understatement, huge. Huge. How do you even describe the ministry and life and impact of Jesus with the word? What word do you use? But he started out as a little crying baby in a little village outside of Bethlehem. And then for 30 years, you don't even hear his voice. Maybe uh, Okay, one time he asked some questions in the temple when he was a, a, a boy. Okay, but that's it. And then for three years, He speaks, but in the vast scheme of things, it was still such a small voice. That's by design. We need to see this. That is the design of God. And then He dies and rises again and goes back to heaven. And the next time you see Him is in the book of Revelation. That's big. That's huge. His voice, his impact, his his message, his his ministry, it goes from so small to the next, by the end of the deal, he's riding back, busting through the, 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 the firmament, through the clouds on this mighty horse, followed by myriads and myriads and myriads of angels and the saints of all time. It's big, it's glorious, it's cosmic. That's the way Jesus' ministry, that's the way his that's his plan, that's his methodology to go from small to big. Jesus' voice, Jesus, the message of Jesus' kingdom. It's bread. It's a tree. It bring what do you what do you do with trees? Well, I'm not sure in in, my, in the world I live in. You're not supposed to say, I guess that you're supposed to, that you cut them down and build stuff with them. But that's what I do. I think that's what you you know. What do you do with trees? They they produce lumber to build people homes. They for the rain. They produce fruit and 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 shade. They produce beauty. What do you do with with a a flower and bread. What I do with it is eat it. It produces nourishment and enjoyment. I just want us... I just want you to hear somebody tell you that Jesus' words, Jesus' message, Jesus' voice of truth and wisdom and grace they will beat the voices of volume and emotion and power every time in the long run just cuz something is full of emotion and full of loudness and full of power and just because it's a voice that the majority of the people in this culture or our world agree with, that doesn't make it true or right or good. Shirley put me on to a dude named Frederick Bruner Beatner. I wrote it down wrong, sorry. Anyway, we were walking along the other day on a walk and she quoted this guy, Frederick Beatner, and uh, I, I, I wrote down... Well, I had to go look it up, but I wrote down what she said, what he said. He said this, he said, What the parables of the mustard seed and the leaven ask of us is confidence in Jesus' little gospel. Jesus' gospel goes out small, but it returns bringing big huge eternal results and impact food shade and shelter for the nations we are tempted to distrust Jesus's little gospel when compared with the modern messages of power might success Abundance, popularity, and dominance. But where are all the ancient faiths, the philosophies, and the forces that once vexed the church? Where are all the Epicureans and the Stoics and the Gnostics and the mystery religions and the very powers of the Roman empower. Jesus' little gospel is an anvil that has worn out many mighty hammers. Dang, I wish I could talk like that. I hope you're reading through the Bible with me this year. Because if you are, you're reading about the lives of people like Noah and Abraham and Jacob and Joseph, Moses, Gideon, David, Elijah. People... That heard God's voice. And when God's voice said it's going to rain. What's rain? You're going to have a baby. I've been trying for years and years and years and years and years. I don't think so. I'm going to bless you and increase you beyond your wildest dreams. But you had not met my Uncle Laban. I don't have to meet your Uncle Laban. He's no match for me. Your whole family is going to bow down before you. My 11 brothers, my dad and mom, not on your life. Hey Gideon, I got a good plan. Grab some lanterns and some trumpets and charge against the enemy. What hand am I going to hold the sword with? Don't you worry about any sword. You don't need a sword. You just need to hear my voice. Joshua, attack the most fortified, secure fortress in the known Middle Eastern world of, the, of that day. How do you want us to do that? going to give me some special plans for catapults and tunnels and, and all kind of... No, just walk around it a few times. Well, That won't work. Did you hear my voice? Did you hear my voice? All you need, all you need is to hear my voice. Isaiah 46 says, God says through Isaiah, What I have spoken to you, I will bring to pass. And what I have planned for you, I will do. One of my life verses is Isaiah 55. As the rain and the snow fall from heaven and water the earth, And they will not return without first making the land flourish with seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So my word goes out and will not return empty without accomplishing my desires and my purposes. Uh, Last night, I was waiting on my wife to get home, and I was watching that, what do you think, uh, the planet? You know, it's one of these things where they show you, uh, it's a documentary about the world. Planet Earth, thank you, planet Earth. And they were showing what happens in a desert that has not experienced rain for 300 days. It's as barren as that tile floor. And it rains. And instantly, as far as you can see, green and colors come. And I just sat there and I was thinking, God, as the water and the snow fall to the earth and they will not go back up into the sky before they first produce seed for the sower and bread for the the eater, the hungry eater so my word will not go forth and return without accomplishing my plans and desires and purposes I have so many examples of people in the scriptures that heard God's voice. And what they heard was impractical, improbable, impossible, ridiculous, in absolute contrast. Everything that their culture and rearing and education had convinced them of. And yet when they heard God's voice. And they mixed what they heard with just a little faith. And an attempt at obedience. Immeasurable. Immeasurable, unbelievable, incomprehensible impact and harvest resulted. My greatest need and my greatest problem Is that I do not know the voice of God. I don't know it. And when I on rare occasion hear it, I don't believe it. thing that I know to do to fight that the Bible says in Romans 10 that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God there is a connection between getting God's word in my mind and in my heart and in having faith that it is true and a willingness to try to follow it Jesus told the Pharisees that we err we get we do wrong we make mistakes we miss the point why? we err because we do not know the words of God or the power of God and my question that I would ask you and that I would ask me do We read the Bible specifically and especially the words of the Lord Jesus. Do we read it like our life depends upon it? And equally important, do we read it like other people's lives depend upon it? Do Do I read the Bible not to... To, to as a show or to impress, or uh, 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 and not, and I'm not talking about reading the Bible to find little old hidden keys to successful finance or parenting or marriage or health. I. It's the big huge, blatant Genesis to Revelation themes that I'm trying... That's what I'm trying to get a hold of. These, oh, I found this hidden uh, uh, secret little nuance thing, truth, and maybe you did, and if you did, good for you, but I'm just trying trying to learn to speak truth rather than lying and deceiving. I'm trying to forgive rather than holding grudges. I'm trying to help the poor a little more and serve myself a little less. I'm trying to be a servant to Shirley more than I want her to be a servant to me. Those are big things. There's no little small hidden nuance uh, uh, things going on with that kind of stuff. I'm trying to use my body in ways that, that, that I think would make uh, the Holy Spirit happier uh, about living inside me than, than not being uh, uh, so happy about... He'll live there. He's not leaving me. But am I making His residence a place that He enjoys more or enjoys less? Do we read and study and speak God's Word like our lives and our futures and the lives and futures of others depended upon it. And just remember, that passage that I read to you in Isaiah, it says that His word will not return void. It doesn't say my words won't return void. Mamas, Daddies, husbands, wives. God never says that your words won't return void. And I would suggest that most of what we speak will return void. And I would suggest that one of the reasons that so much of what we speak returns void, it's... It, 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 it doesn't get inside. It doesn't become bread that our... Mates and our children can find nourishment from and it does not become a a a a house that we can that we can live inside and get fruit from a tree. It's because we're not speaking God's word. We're not speaking that which flows out of our ability to hear the voice of God. And anything and everything that I speak to my daughter or my wife or to you or to a neighbor or a coworker that is not reflective of God's voice being spoken to me and to you. My question is not why don't you listen to me. My question is, why should you? Why should you listen to me? If, it, if I'm not speaking that which I've heard from God. And I'm not talking about preaching to people. I don't mean going home and preaching to your mates and preaching to your kids. And I don't mean that. I just mean that when we, when people hear our voices, do our words reflect that we have been in the presence of God's voice. And there's wisdom and there's peace. And there's forgiveness and there's patience and there's grace. that flows out of our voices. Or is it fear and anger and selfishness and bullying and bombastic and volume and loud and aggressive and... All that stuff. Okay. Um. Do you have a little one with y'all right now? Y'all come up and help me. Sometimes I can't get y'all to help because <laughs> you've got a little one. Y'all stand. We're gonna take the Lord's Supper. We do that every Sunday. And we do it because the Lord Jesus said to his disciples that when you gather together in my name, take bread and take wine and eat and drink and remember what I did for you. Remember that I died on the cross for you so that your sins could be forgiven and that you could become a child of God. I want you to remember that and give thanks to that. Do you remember the very first time that God ever said that? That, that message, that voice? That the voice declaring that the Son of God would, would deal with the sinfulness and the evil of our world through His suffering. You remember the very first time that He spoke that? The first time that we heard His voice say that? In Genesis chapter 3. Where God was speaking and He said, I'll deal with sin. I'll deal with the sin problem. The enemy... He will strike at my my servant's heel. But my servant's heel will crush his skull. 2,000 years. No, no, I'm so sorry. 4,000 years before that event took place. God's voice spoke. That which would occur. And that which did accomplish what God said would be accomplished. If it is your... Hope that Jesus Christ came and lived and died and rose again. And through His life and His ministry and His death and resurrection, you have found forgiveness and relationship with God and eternal life. If that is your testimony, you heard, I can remember when I first heard God's voice. And I put my faith in what I heard. If that's your testimony, then I invite you to come and to eat bread and drink wine and to remember and give thanks. Um, there will be people over by that window right there, and there will be people over right over there by Marvin, by that window, and they would love to pray with you if, if you have something special that you need prayer for. Okay? So you come, you eat and drink, and you remember and.